0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: The stronghold of unforgiveness. The stronghold of unforgiveness in the book of Matthew chapter 18 that we read in the time of our Bible reading Bible makes us to understand that there was a certain king a certain ruler, a certain rich man, a certain big boy the Bible says that this man had a lot of people who owed him money and then he decided to call them together to settle his account and as he was settling the account one of his servants came to him and said "Father, Master, I do not have the means to be able to pay you back and then the, the Bible says that that particular king said okay, go and lock him up until he's able to pay, sell him until he's able to pay the man kept on begging and this man, this king had compassion upon him and he released it. And the Bible goes on to say that this same guy that just enjoyed the forgiveness of his master. The Bible tells us that this same guy now decided to hold, you know, to, to take a hold on an individual who owed him money. Let's pick up the story from verse number 18. Matthew chapter 29 Matthew Sorry, Matthew 18 reading from verse number 29 the Bible says so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying have patience with me and I will pay you all and he would not that is the guy that received forgiveness will not forgive another person and he would not but went and threw him in jail till he could pay the debts so when his fellow servant saw what had been done they were very grieved and came and told their master what had been done. Then his master, after, and then his master, after he had called him, said to him, "You wicked servants! I forgive you all the debts because, because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I pitied you?" You notice that the master was not saying forgive his debt. The master was not saying write off his debt. He said, "Have you know, have pity," you know. Have pity on that particular person. Should you have just had compassion on your fellow servants? Verse number 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturer until he should pay all that was due to him. Now verse number 35. The Bible says, So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. From this verse of scripture I'm going to just pilot a, quickly, uh, a, a number of things before we go on. The first thing you see here is that there is a certainty of offense. Certainty of offense. In other words, as you travel through the road of life somebody somewhere will do something that will piss you off somebody somewhere will do something that will make you angry somebody somewhere will step on your toes they will do something that you are not happy with you are going to be offended that is the certainty of life when this man was giving money to all these people the assurance was that they were going to get his money back but for some reason they could not pay and then when the accounting came, he had to be able to make a choice. Do I continue to stick to the guns of collecting my money or do I have compassion on these people? The first thing you see from that verse of scripture we read is that there's going to be offense in life. If you go about life thinking that nobody's going to offend you, you are not living in reality. Somebody is going to make you angry. Number two that we see is there's going to be always be a request for forgiveness. In other words, the people that offend you, they are going to ask you for forgiveness. You are going to offend somebody and you are going to ask for forgiveness. The reality is that life is going to be full of offenses. There will always be a request for forgiveness and there is going to be the danger of refusal. You might be tempted to say no. When people walk against you, when people do things against you, there's a tendency that you are so hurt that you make up your mind and say, no, I will never forgive you. And people have said that. They said, I will never forgive you. But if you flip the shoes around and you stay in the side of the person who is the one who committed the offense, and you go and you seek for forgiveness, just like this man did. He asked for forgiveness from his master. He got that forgiveness. But when the time came for him to extend that forgiveness, he refused. So there is number one, the reality, the certainty that offense will come. The number two thing is that there's going to be always the need to forgive. Then there's going to be the possibility of refusal. And then there is the danger of unforgiveness. Look at verse number 31. The Bible says, so when, so when his fellow servants saw that what had been done, they were grieved. In other words, when you have the, when there is a request for forgiveness when somebody says, yes, I realize I've made a mistake and I'm asking you to forgive me and you refuse there is always a grieving of the spirit that takes place. Because you wound that spirit when you refuse to let go. Not just when you are the one who refuses, who is refusing to give is refusing to extend forgiveness even when forgiveness is not given to you there is something that happens inside your spirit there is a grieving that takes place in your spirit and you begin to say why would you forgive me so you see number one the reality, the certainty of offense number two, the request for forgiveness number three, the possibility of a refusal number four, the danger of unforgiveness and number five, there is always a consequence for, unforg- for unforgiveness when you refuse to forgive, it doesn't end the story I want you to understand that. When you refuse to forgive another person, that does not mean that is the end of the story. The Bible makes us to understand that if you do not forgive, do not expect to be forgiven. And it's not just between you and your fellow man. God himself takes note of those kind of things. God himself pays attention to those kind of things. He said, if you refuse to forgive, our Father in heaven also will not forgive so my brothers and sisters we live in a very interesting time and the reason we are talking about this particular thing at this time around now is because we live in a very very unforgiving society our culture is so unforgiving especially now in the me too movement where everybody wakes up one day and remember what has been done to them 500 years ago and they want to punish that person today we live in an unforgiving society our society is a society that keeps a very good record of wrongdoing. They keep a very good record of undoing. And please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that the society should not keep record of criminals. I'm not saying society should not keep record of people who are misbehaving. Because as in, if you, unless you do that, you cannot protect law-abiding citizens if you don't keep record. If we don't know the people who are the troublemakers in our society, and we're able to make sure that they pay for their sins. Uh, if we don't know how to do that, our society will be lawless. But what I am talking about this morning is that a society that keeps record of wrongdoing for the purpose of revenge a society that keeps record of wrongdoing for the purpose of destroying the other person a society that keeps a record of wrongdoing so that they can make sure the other person does not move forward is a society ready to create and to to destroy itself there is a problem when a society keeps record just for the sake of destroying one another there is a problem I've often joked, you know, for, for those who are close to me, you notice I, I want to say something about the fact that if you are running for office, take for example, you are running for the office of a dog catcher, okay? You want to be the chief dog catcher in the city. And for some reason, maybe 15 years ago, 100 years ago, you took your chihuahua out and you are going for a walk. And your chihuahua decided to take a stool, okay? And you forgot to bring that your nice looking things you know how interesting thing, people don't want to clean the poop of their daughters and their sons but they would like to pack the poop of dogs on the street, but that's a story for another day anyway, they, you forget to take your nylon bag to pack the poop of your chihuahua, or you packed it and you refused to dump it properly and some yahoo somewhere saw you that you did not pick up the poop of your chihuahua or you dumped it in the wrong place, the day that you announce that you want to be the chief dog catcher in your community, that is the day that that video will come out that you did not dispose of your poop, of the poop of your dog properly. Or you did not pack your poop, with the poop of your chihuahua when you were going. The point I am trying to make is this. Uh, people are now looking for the offense of other people with the intention to destroy. And let me repeat myself. I am not saying that the society should not hold people accountable. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when we hold things with with the intention to destroy our fellow man, when we hold on to offense with the intention to be able to use it to destroy their lives, their family and their livelihood, there is a problem. And before long, we are going to destroy ourselves. If you hold on to an offense for your brother, for your sister, your wife, or your co-worker, or 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 the members of the church, you hold an offense against them with the intention of looking for the right time to use that offense to whack their head, we will soon destroy ourselves in the process. Because offense, you know, when you do unforgiveness, it doesn't just end with you. It has this multiplier effect. The point I'm making is that we live in a very unforgiving society. And the result of this very destructive spirit of unforgiveness in our culture is evident in the way that we are now a very polarized society. Polarized society in the sense that nobody wants to talk to each other. The one who thinks that is right and the one who thinks that is not, you know, those two people don't want to talk because everybody wants to be right. Because as a result of our corrosive tendency of not letting things go, it has seen in the way that the groups of the groups in our society refuse to talk to each other. Husband and wife refusing to forgive, uh, children refusing to forgive their parents. uh, And you see that a marriage relationship that started with love uh, now ends up with people trying to not just separate but tear themselves apart. They will now take their own children and use it as a weapon against one another. That is the result of unforgiveness that is going on in our society. And if this unforgiving spirit is transferred to the life of an individual, that individual, that like, the life of that individual becomes very, very tortuous. When that particular, when families live a life of unforgiveness, what you find is that there is a family breakup. Because if I offend my brother and I offend my sister and we refuse to forgive one another, relationship cannot thrive. The family unit will break up. If you see it in the church, the church will break up. When people refuse to let go, the family unit will break up. When individuals live a life of unforgiveness, you will see that they become disconnected. Nobody wants to associate with somebody that continues to bring up the mistake that they made 2,000 years ago, or 3,000 years ago, or just yesterday. Every minute I say, I am sorry, you will bring up something because you want to use it as a weapon. When such things happen, people live in disconnection and isolation. Because nobody wants to relate with you. Apart from the disconnection and the isolation, individuals who live a life of unforgiveness become very bitter and they become very angry. Because they don't have their way, they want to be able to control the other person. And when they are not able to control you by holding grudge right against you, they become angry and they become bitter. And what you see, the result of that is loneliness and depression. That's why mental health cases are becoming very rampant. That's why people are beginning to seek help from the from the shrinks Because unforgiveness results in loneliness and depression. And more, you know, and the more depressed and lonely people become, the more meaningless life becomes. And that's why the rate of suicide is gradually going up. And it's not just suicide among adults. It's suicide among children. When children don't know how to let go. When children don't know how to forgive. When children don't know how to be able to move on. You'll find that life become depressing and lonely. And as a result of loneliness and depression, you'll find that life become meaningless. And when people become meaningless, they begin to do stupid things. All because they will not forgive. All because they will not let go. Bible tells on the book of Hebrews, chapter twelve. Reading from verse number and from verse number fourteen. Hebrews twelve, reading from verse number fourteen, the Bible says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. I want you to look at the underlying word, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you by the burial, and by these, many become defiled. When you keep bottling these things up. When you keep holding on to the things that are not supposed to be held on to. When you refuse to let go. The Bible said that you plant a seed of bitterness in your spirit. And when that seed of bitterness begins to take root. You will find out that it will defile everything you do. It comes out in your word. It comes out in your action. It comes out in everything you do. Your relationship becomes toxic. Just because you will not let go of the things that you are supposed to do. The Bible is simply telling us, let go. Say, live in peace. Forgive, that's what the Bible is saying. Do not hold on to the past, or else you are planting a seed that will destroy, that will trouble, and that will mess up everything you put your hands into. Now, the interesting thing about this story of forgiveness is that if this unforgiveness is found only outside the church, it is not okay, but at least it is understandable. Understandable in the sense that we can say that because they don't know the love of God, that's why they are not forgiven. All right. If it is happening outside with the people who don't call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can explain it. We say yes, they have not known the the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has given to them on the cross of Calvary. But if individuals who say that they have enjoyed the love of God, who say that they have received the forgiveness for their sins, who say they have been redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary, if those same individuals are not forgiven, there is a problem. It's either they have not met or experienced the forgiveness of Christ or they experienced or they met the wrong Jesus because there is no way you can there is no way you can, you can you can you can explain a person who says he has received forgiveness from God and yet is living in unforgiveness Like I said, the unfortunate thing is that the same unforgiving spirit that is seen outside the church is seen inside the church. And many within the church are suffering in every department of their life. They are suffering in different areas of their life because they simply refuse to let go. And the question is why? Why wouldn't they let go? Why is unforgiveness so rampant in our culture? Why is unforgiveness so common in the church? Why is that people find it very difficult to let go? To answer that particular question, you must first of all understand what forgive what unforgiveness is. When we say unforgiveness, what are we talking about? I will use a story in the Bible to be able to illustrate it. Genesis chapter 20, 27. Genesis 27, reading from verse number 41, the Bible tells us it said, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing we have with his father blessing. him. And Esau said in his heart, The days of my mourning, the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother. Many of us who have been in church long enough know the story of uh, Jacob and Esau. Bible makes us to understand that there was a guy called Jacob, he got married to a woman called Rebecca, sorry, there was a guy called Isaac, he got married to a woman called Rebecca, he was the son of Abraham and then they had two sons, there was a prophecy that the elder will serve the younger and there was a rivalry between the two boys and that rivalry at the time came that when Isaac wanted to give his patriarchal blessings to move to the next generation, Isaac Jacob heard about it, skimmed with the mother stole the blessing and when he did that, Jacob and you know, Isaac Was very, very angry, and he saw made a promise and said, I was going to deal with you. And because of the stealing of the blessing, Esau now realized that he had lost what was very important to him. The Bible says, Esau wept, he begged his father and said, Bless me, but it was too late. You all know the story of Jacob and Esau, and that is the backdrop for that verse, Genesis 27, reading from verse number 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of my mourning, the days of mourning for my father is at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. In other words, Esau was saying, you have done your own. I am coming for you. I will not forgive you. You have stolen from me. My father will soon die and I will get my pound of flesh. I will get my revenge. So in other words, what is unforgiveness? Number one, unforgiveness is a conscious decision. That's what it means. I want you to look at the verse of the scripture in that verse number 41 of Genesis 27. You will notice he put it on the screen. You notice I underlined it. And Esau said in his hearts. Esau said in his hearts. In other what? he made up his mind. This guy you stole from me. You did something that really, really touched the nerve of my being. You really did something that hurt me and I will not let it go. He said, Esau said in his heart, that means Esau made up his mind. Esau made a conscious decision that I will not let you go. And he made a decision that he will do, he will, he will He will react to what Jacob had done to him. Esau made a conscious decision to hold on to the offense of his brother until such a time when he's able to fight. So you see, unforgiveness is a decision. You make up your mind that this is what I want to do. I am not going to let it go. That is a decision. And that is what unforgiveness is. Number two, unforgiveness is a determination that I will not let this thing go. There is a night when you make a decision and say, okay, I will not do something and then somebody can convince you otherwise. But when you are living in unforgiveness, there is a determination that you have made in your mind that I will not let it go. The Bible said the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then I will. That's a statement of determination. I will slay my brother Jacob. So Esau made a deliberate, determined decision not to let go. That day, I don't know. He was saying, "Jacob, you think you have gotten away with this at this point in time? But I am waiting for you. I have made up my mind. I'm not going to let you get away with this." Number three, what is unforgiveness? Unforgiveness is a conscious decision to hold on to. Number one is to not to let go, but the other one is to hold on to. There is another one to say, I can, I can let go, but I will not, you know, I will not continue to remember. But Esau made up his mind and will continue to remember. And that was why if you begin to read the book of Exodus, Exodus the book of Genesis chapter 32, when eventually two of them met, he came with 400 men. Were it not for the prayer of Jacob, Esau was determined. 20 years after, Esau was still pissed. Because he was made, he has made up his mind, he was going to deal with this guy. So it's a decision to hold on to a grudge no matter how long. Esau was saying, I may not have the means to deal with you right now, I may not have the power to be able to do it. The conditions may not be right, but I will get my revenge. The time is coming, I will get my revenge. That's basically what unforgiveness is all about: a decision of the will to hold the grudge against someone. Who has offended us until we are able to seek revenge? That's basically what it is, and it doesn't take. It doesn't matter how long it takes. The more you keep repeating, you keep, and then you notice. Look at the nations that fight each other. Look at the cultures that fight each other. Look at the race that have wanted against each other. You begin to wonder what has that person done to you. You cannot explain it, but it has been transferred from one generation to the other, to the other, to the other, because there is an unforgiving spirit that has taken place. And I remember one man of God saying to another particular person of a different faith, he said, As long as we are not willing to forgive, we will continue to send our sons and daughters to die on the altar of what they have no clue how it started. And that is what is happening. When we do when we refuse to forgive, a lot of things go wrong. So back to our question why is unforgiveness so common in our society? Why is unforgiveness so common in the church? is for why is it very difficult for people to forgive let me suggest to you that for you to be able to know forgiveness is very difficult people find it very difficult to forgive because we do not want to give up that feeling of power that we have over somebody when you have someone somebody has wronged you. And that person knows that they have wronged you. And you know that that person has wronged you. It has a kind of a power over that person. Because every minute of the day you can remind that person. That's what you did this time. That's what you did this time. You can always keep that person on the defensive. That's one of the reasons why people don't forgive. Number two. People don't forgive because it gives them a feeling of righteousness. Righteousness. You wrong me. I am better. I am the one who is righteous. You are the sinner here. You are the terrible one, and that is why they continue to do it. I and mean, this happens especially in most in marriages and relationships. Say you catch one of the you catch one of the uh, one of the partners involved in a particular sexual or whatever activity, and then the other one knows about it, and they refuse to divorce. But every day, you keep telling, "That's what you did." There you are now looking at those women again. That's what you did. Now you are now spending the money. That's how you spend all our money. Now, I mean, you keep reminding that person. You keep letting them know, you are the terrible one in this particular marriage. I am not the one. I'm the good guy. You are the bad guy. So that's why people don't forgive. People don't forgive because it gives them leverage. It gives them leverage. In other words, they can use it as a bargaining chip. If you can do X, Y, and Z, then you should not be complaining when I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Okay? People do not forgive because it gives them a a satisfaction of revenge. They are looking for an opportunity to make that person suffer. They are looking for an opportunity to make sure that the other person does not enjoy the life that they are supposed to enjoy. People do not forgive because it's a convenient excuse. Why did you come out late? After all, you have been coming late all the time. Why did you spend the money? After all, you emptied the bank. Why are you talking to that man? After all, you talk to that woman. You know, it's an excuse to do the things that we want to do. It's an excuse to live the way we want to live. That is why we do not forgive. We do not forgive because we see it as a sign of weakness. Somebody does something bad towards you Somebody have offended you You feel that if you let, if you forgive that person You are indulging that person That you are the weak one Now, if you want to be strong you have to hold your ground And that is what is killing a lot of relationships In our community today People do not forgive because they see it as a sign of weakness And most importantly People do not forgive Because they lack the understanding Of the effect of unforgiveness In their own individual life So we see We talk about forgiveness a lot in the church But many don't really understand it And before you can truly forgive Before you can truly let go of something You must understand what forgiveness is And what forgiveness is not If you don't understand the difference You will continue to confuse it And you will not be able to forgive If you are truly going to forgive You must know what, what forgiveness is not And forgiveness number one Is not excusing the wrongdoing Of the other person In other words, somebody has done something wrong to you. Forgiving that person does not mean that you are excusing that person's behavior. You are simply saying, in spite of your bad behavior, I am willing to let go. And that's why the Bible tells us that while we are yet sinners, Christ did what? Christ died for us. He did not die for us because we are good. He died for us, even knowing that we are going to nail him to the cross. So forgiveness is not excusing wrongdoing. Forgiveness is not denying reality. It's not denying that something evil has not happened. It's not denying that you have not been, off- have not been offended. It's not denying that you have not been hurt. It is simply saying, in spite of the offense, in spite of the denier, in spite of the anger, in spite of the pain that you have caused me, I am willing to let go. So, their forgiveness is not acting, the, it's not docile tolerance. In other words, it does not mean that you are willing to accept any crap that anybody dished to you. That's not forgiveness. But forgiveness is saying, I know that you are doing all these things, but I'm not going to be tied down by your own action. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Please understand that. The fact that I forgive somebody does not mean that that person becomes my best buddy. Please understand that. The fact that I forgive somebody does not mean that we are going to now begin to have lunch together. I forgive somebody does not mean that you are not going to be the person that I will be my BFF. No. Forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Forgiveness is not forgetting. The fact that I forgive you does not mean that I forgot the things that you did to me. The fact that I forgive you does not mean that I forget, I forget that you are a selfish human being. The fact that I forgive you does not mean that I forget that you have cost me a lot of pain. Forgiveness is not forgetting. And forgiveness is not based on the actions of other people. So you do, not get, you do not give forgiveness to people because they ask you. Or, you. or you say, unless you ask me, I will not forgive you. Forgiveness is not based on the action of the other person. Forgiveness is not for the sake of the other person. Forgiveness is actually for your own sake. It's for your own well-being. So forgiveness is not, if, if forgiveness is not all about all those things, uh, what then is forgiveness? And before I get into there, I want you to understand one thing. Because the enemy knows that we hold on to unforgiveness, he uses that particular sin to be able to tie us down. So, forgiveness is not about tolerance. Is you know, in the face of evil, forgiveness is not what is what the enemy uses. Unforgiveness, is what the enemy uses to be able to have. Into our life is what he uses to be able to build a strong goal in our life. So if unforgiveness is not if, if forgiveness is not excusing sin, if it is not you know denying reality, if it is not reconciliation, what is forgiveness? Let's go back to it. Forgiveness number one is a conscious decision, just like unforgiveness is a conscious decision. You make up your mind, you see the reality. Yes, you stole from me, yes, you cheated me, yes, you hurt me, yes, you did things to destroy me. In spite of all these things, I'm willing to let it go. It's a decision that you make. Number two, so forgiveness is a cultivated attitude. It's an attitude of the heart. It's a settled way of thinking. It's a way that you say, I know how I'm feeling about this. I know how I want to react about this thing. But I'm making up my mind that that's not the way I'm going to react. That is not the way I'm going to take this thing. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's a cultivated attitude. It's a discipline that you develop. Not only that, it's a determination to let go. You say, yes, I know it is hurting me. I know it is not what the whole world will say. In the, place, in, the in the neck of the country where I come from, they refer to people who let this go easily as mumu. That means they are fools. I know it's a foolish thing, but I'm still going to let it go. Determination to let go, that's what forgiveness is. Determination is a disciplined effort. Discipline effort in the sense that When you see that person that you are letting go When you see that person that you are forgiving And they are still behaving the same way There is a tendency for you to say I need to whack this guy and let him know That they have done something bad I need to make sure that evil fall upon them That the heavens open and fire come down and swallow them And the earth open like Korah, and Abedah And they swallowed up That their leg will just be broken on the road as they are crossing You wish them also of evil But when you forgive is a disciplined effort To say do that is how I feel I'm willing to let this guy
0: go. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.